Okay. Love it. Take two. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Boundaries, a group relations podcast sponsored by Group Relations International. I'm here again with our usual suspects, Lauren Levy. Hi. Amber Williams. Hi, everyone. Coach Love. What's happening, people? Also known as Rod, because I feel like we, we definitely we, we go by Rod sometimes, and I don't want the listeners to get confused. And myself, Mandy Moeller. What's up, podcast crew? How are y'all doing today? Good. How are you, Manny? Hey, I'm maintaining, I'm alive, and I'm above water. You know what I'm saying? Always. <laughs> Thank you. Thank He's you. not a submarine, everyone. <laughs> nah, not a submarine. I don't prefer that life. Okay, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about boundaries and exploring that. Um, where would we like to begin? Maybe with the working definition of what a boundary is. Hey, good idea, Amber. Um, so I guess quick definition is a boundary is a container for group work to be done. Um, and so... We care a lot about boundaries and pay attention to boundaries in order to make sure that um, the anxiety and all of the different things that are experienced in conference life, or if you take it as a coursework, coursework life, are be able to be bound and contained to some degree so that the work, um, as we call it, can be done. <clears throat> Do others have ways they might want to elaborate on that? I can. The best example I ever had, I mean, this is coming from uh, also the mental health professional lens. Like, I was taught that boundaries create safety, and without boundaries, stuff hits the fan. And I guess most people could attest to that in their personal lives as well. But in group relations spaces, without really strict adherence to boundaries, including time, task, and territory specifically, um, it creates a lot of anxiety for people and hard for people to maintain um, and do good learning in that space because their anxieties can just overtake them. Yeah, I would just add to that that uh, you might hear boundaries being uh, used uh, synonymously with the words uh, holding environment. Um, and it's a, it does exactly what uh, you were speaking to, Lauren. Uh, and, and Amber around helping people feel comfortable, feel psychologically safe and secure to be able to explore whatever uh, the task is in that moment. To bring their full selves to the experience. Right, and I think specifically with group relations, which focuses a lot on the study of authority as well, it's important for the boundaries between the different um, rules or the boundaries between like one of the three tenants we talked about was time, task, and territory to be held more rigidly to in order to create the dynamic that people can see themselves in reaction to the different ways that the consultants or the staff are holding their authority um, in this space, which is usually not as traditional as what we expect or interact with out in our day-to-day -day lives, which causes an elicit a reaction. Um, that enables people to be able to regress and do that deeper work of understanding who they are and how they show up in relation to um, that authority. So. 
And I think for me, it's the reaction um, that that people have to to the to the boundary that's there, because um, on one hand, you can feel like, OK, I can focus on the, the, the task. Um, I can focus on, on, on what's at hand, having that space set up for me. Um, while other other experiences is kind of like, ooh, damn, this is the space that I have. This is what this is going to look like. And you can have that idea that this is going to suck. Um, but even f- sitting with that feeling of this is going to suck is, 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 is actually interesting because that's the time where you probably feel the most alive in that space because of that reaction you're, ha- you're having. And so in that, um, it impacts the way that you engage. And I think when it comes to group relations work, um, the engagement is, is, is actually um, is very important. And so the boundary is what sets that up for that to happen. Um, just want yeah. to touch on one thing that Amber, you brought up uh, in, in, in describing the group relations aspect to it, that there are many dynamics that are taking place in that space that you were in uh, when you were doing group relations. So when you mentioned the word regress, that is one of many responses that people can have. And uh, when we say regress, we're talking about, um, you know, people are reliving you know, subconsciously or even unconsciously uh, previous uh, previous experiences in their lives and they are acting those out uh, in that moment. And that's just one of many uh, dynamics that could emerge uh, while uh, you are in this space and why boundaries are so important to be able to manage all of that and to allow for those different experiences to emerge. Exactly. So what we think maybe it'd be helpful to talk about time boundaries, since that's like one of the key boundaries that we experience in our work. Does anyone maybe want to lead off with, I mean, time boundaries in general are what they sound like. They're boundaries as it pertains to time. (laughs) And in group relations spaces, um, there are, you know, usually agendas that you receive at the beginning of a conference um, that has, you know, your different different things allocated, breaks strictly allocated, um, and it's not uncommon that in a particular, you know, small group experience or a large group experience that exactly at the end of that time that that group is supposed to end, the consultants get up and walk out um, without saying a word. Um, there are some like more newer ways of doing it where I know at least all the staffs I've been in more recently, they encourage maybe sticking around until a sentence is completed um, or just leaving within that time minute so it could be you know at the first second of that minute or the last second of that minute um but there is something uh very ritualistic and very important about that time boundary piece so maybe people want to share their experiences with understanding time boundaries or how time boundaries show up for them in different conference spaces yeah i can piggyback off of that one amber um so remember the first time I interacted with the time boundary and I didn't even know what the world was going on or who was on staff or what was really happening. I just saw people get up and leave like right at the top of the minute of whatever the, the calendar or the schedule was sharing. And I thought, wow, that is the weirdest thing. And it was always happening when I was right in the middle of saying something. <laughs> so what in the blue blazes is going on right now? Um, and then, you know, as a staff member, uh, being really sensitive to, to the boundary, uh, as well. And, and just noticing that, you know, not respecting, 
or not adhering to, you know, what the boundaries were, like what that created within the larger system. But to take it a step, uh, to, to bring it back to my experiences as a member, I think one of the things that time boundaries and paying attention to them really taught me was how little I actually paid attention to time and, and the boundaries of time and what was happening within that time. Um, and it's boundaries in general, something that we don't really pay a whole lot of attention to until we start getting into some of the um, topics around sexual assault and domestic violence and things like that. But um, boundaries are, are, are pretty big and, and being able to pay attention to them and recognizing well, what's happening within a moment, um, within a particular space that it can actually enhance, you know, what can actually get done in those moments. Right. And I think to your point, Rod, there is also this idea of like the doorknob um, syndrome yeah. theory, and it happens in therapeutic spaces a lot too. But as people get closer to the time boundary subconsciously, they begin to feel like they can unload or there's this like collective group rush almost or urgency that you feel. Um, and if you don't hold those time boundaries firmly, then, you know, the idea is that they're rushing because they know they won't have time to be worked. And so it's kind of like the cliffhanger <laughs> that keeps the group wanting to come back the next time. But if you drag it out and it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> like I thought, you know, this is going to end at X time. And now I have to sit with all this stuff that I just unloaded from either a subconscious level or even sometimes from a conscious level, too. Um, then that really obliterates the trust that the group has and the authority to contain and create that space for them because something unexpected would then happen um, rather than like the expectation of it is knowing that I have a hard stop here. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Amber. I think about how boundaries are utilized so often to carry out work avoidance, which you were just speaking to, and for those who don't know what that is, it's basically you're avoiding any form of work, meaning maybe you show up late to your actual job, or maybe you show up late to the gym, or maybe you show up late to your small group at a group relations conference. And all of those are typically, arguably, always because in some way you're trying to resist or allow yourself to step away from what feels like might be an uncomfortable or challenging situation. It's a way to manage the anxiety, um, but it's also not helpful. And when it rises up, it's important, I think, for that self-awareness to come in about like, okay, why did I show up late today to this thing that I knew started exactly at 2 p.m.? Um, and what does that mean? And what am I trying to get away from? Because there's actually a lot of data just within that action in and of itself. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, for me, before having a group relations experience, um, time time is something I've always struggled with, like getting to work on time or, you know, like you said, getting to the gym on time, getting to things on time. Um, and I think having my experience as a member, you know, I remember sitting there and and to Rod's point about like being in the middle of your last sentence, you know, that's when you'll see, you know, your the staff member get up and just walk out. And you'll, you're lucky if they happen to say, we've reached a time boundary. You know, that's like a blessing. But outside of that, it's just get up and, and leave um, while, you know, coming in. It's kind of like, okay, a quick introduction. Where would you like to begin? And that's when you know 
the clock has started. And so it's it's been an interesting experience. I think in the experiences that I've been in, the most interesting things happen at the end, like right when that time boundary is up. And now you have to sit with that experience and just got to work with it. And sometimes you don't get to work with it in that moment. And now you have to hold it for the next time that you you get into a space where where you may be able to bring that up or work it. So, um, you know, I think with my experience in it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't fun at first. But after seeing how it's done, especially on the staff side, being on the staff side, it makes so much sense to that's how you set the tone and that's how you get straight to the point and you don't waste time, you know, kind of doing other things that's not necessary for the task at hand within that time boundary. Um, and it's been something that's been helpful, you know, for the, for the listeners that haven't had an experience with group relations and a conference, you know, just it, this is, this is, it's, it's a great way to think about the ways that you show up in the spaces that you show up in and what you do in that time when you, when you're in that space. Um, and that's, it's been helpful for me to translate and apply it that way. Yeah. And I think one other thing that is making me think of is around time boundaries is that also the system that's created during the conference is a temporary system. And so that also has an expiration time. So if you're in a three-day conference, like the system expires at, you know, that Sunday afternoon or whenever the conference closes. And so there's something to there around like, and I've tried to like keep in touch. And I think a lot of us in different ways probably have tried to keep in touch with people that we felt so connected to during a conference experience. And then like when you get out into the regular world and there's a different boundary that's now been crossed, like that energy is no longer there or like the relationship fizzles out or it takes a different form than what, you know, it had took on inside that temporary system. And I think that the time boundary there is also really important to remember too, because we hold a group in our mind, but the actual group dissipates um, once that time boundary um, expires. And so that's something that I think a lot of people, or at least was new for me, um, or like difficult for me to understand um, when I first started doing this work and trying to build relationships or like people trying to build relationships with me <laughs> beyond the space and being like, uh, is this something that I actually want in my life? Or was this a relationship that served me for this particular institution for this particular time frame? Um, and that's it. So that's something that I feel like maybe is important for the listeners too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think between, I guess, among what, what we're saying right now, one of the things that I'm thinking about is the anxiety that potentially shows up in these spaces um, and how important, you know, the time boundary is in enabled to being able to manage the anxiety. Lauren, you mentioned about the data uh, that pops up. And so part of that data that we're tracking, I guess, on staff is just where's the anxiety, you know, within a system and who on an individual level is carrying that. And what does that now say about the larger groups that are forming within the small groups and the other groups that form within the conferences, uh, especially if there's an institutional event that's going on. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one way to track, you know, you mentioned work avoidance, the anxiety that comes with that work avoidance, who is pairing with each other or grouping together with each other and those relationships that form you know, around that anxiety. Um, 
or or avoidance or you know being on task um which not to really jump the gun here a little bit but you know just thinking about boundaries in the form of task right now it's kind of what it's bringing me to next yeah what what ties to diving into the task piece and was also coming up for me when talking about the time boundaries specifically is how much the unconscious comes into play here and even in regard to like what I was talking about about the work avoidance piece of not sticking to time boundaries in a group relations conference or in the world you know the task at a group relations conference is usually to study the group's behavior as it unfolds in the here and now for the small group or large group um, events specifically that's where a lot of the experiential in the moment learning happens um and you know in those spaces one thing that group relations conferences um, hope that members pay attention to and staff is definitely paying attention to is not only what is actively happening um and people's interpretations of that but also what could be happening um on an unconscious level and um so i think about like what i was saying earlier about like being late to work or something and how a lot of times we'll be like, well, I had to like help my friend with this or I had to drop my kid off or whatever. And that's like our conscious reasoning for why X thing happened. But the really cool thing about group relations spaces is um, it kind of looks at the layer beneath what we consciously have awareness about, about what it is that made us late to work besides the fact that we had to drop off our kid or make a sandwich or whatever it is. Um, and that's where that kind of dual task of what's happening consciously in the moment and also what's perhaps happening unconsciously is this really like important dual task to pay attention to within the boundaries of a group relations conference that I think is important to mention. Yeah, that's good, Lauren. Um, so I think just to pick up kind of what Rob was putting down and transition us over into the idea of tasks, like a task definitely is one major boundary that we have in life. And I think particularly also in group relations spaces, because that's what that's what we channel our energy into. That's where our focus then is. And that's um, hopefully like where we're going to see results on the other side. And I think like Lauren had mentioned, like the task and the small and large study groups are to um, study the unconscious as it unfolds in the here and now. Um, and also there's other opportunities in the group relations conferences, whether that's in the IE I, I groups, which are usually the intersecting systems that you create for yourself. Um, we have role and review groups, and that task is to review the day and to do there and then work and to kind of integrate that into your life moving forward. But each of those different groups and those different systems have consultants in place that are showing up in a particular way for a particular reason for enabling the members to be able to do their work and to explore um, authority and to explore the integrated learning um, and to really make meaning of their experiences. Um, and I think one of the cool things that you notice with those different task boundaries um, as you encounter different authority in those spaces is a different way that they also take up their authority to make sure that we're adhering to the task at hand. So the way that you interact with a small group or large group consultant is going to look very different than the way that um, you interact with the RAG role and review group consultant because the task there is completely different. And so we understand from you know, a consulting stance that we need to show up differently in order to 
pull different things out of people and to help them reach and focus on their specific tasks. So for me, that's a big learning that I've taken with me in my everyday life because I can't, like I could show up the exact same way, you know, every single situation with every single thing, but is it going to be the most optimum thing that I need in order to complete a task? Or is there a way that I might need to shift or think about my boundaries as I show up in a particular space in order to achieve the task that I'm trying to achieve? Um, and whether that's as an individual level or collaborating with other people, just being aware of the different ways that um, that shows up. So I don't know if others have thoughts on that, but like that seems like really important as it relates to tasks. You know, for me, I think about it and I'm like, it's hard to create the boundary in your regular life to get a task done, depending on what your regular life looks like. You know, if maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a student, maybe you work full time and there's projects that you probably want to get to. There's things that you want to get to and you can't get to it because you haven't really created the boundary for that or just to understand that and and I think for me when I when I got in, introduced to, to group relations and going to the conferences about these these boundaries and these tasks because I'm like when I when I got there I'm like first of all what are we doing like what are we supposed to be doing like you sit there for a, you know a, a minute when 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 the conference begins and let's say you're in large group so you're in large group you walk into this space that's created for you this holding container and. You know, again, so where would we like to begin is the question. And so now the boundary set and now the task has begun. And you're sitting there as a member trying to make sense of this task that maybe you're trying to identify as an individual. Maybe you're trying to identify as a group member. But even just thinking your, thinking of yourself as a, as a member versus just being an individual is part of the task. And so what happened to me was like, I got so clouded with the valencies and, and all and things that didn't allow me to be present in the space to, to really work towards the task. Like, what is that for me? And it was looking around and hearing other people share their experiences, other people share their thoughts. Some things were relevant to the task. Some things, most things were irrelevant to the task. And I think I was so stuck on the irrelevancy. I was so stuck on, let me bring in something in here that's from outside to avoid the task at hand because I couldn't figure it out. But deep down, what it really was, was that I was ignoring it. I was ignoring what was real. I was ignoring, you know, talking about my identities. I was ignoring being able to be open and honest about my valencies. But in in that, I think it was more about the vulnerability piece and um and just kind of being afraid um and so afraid of getting to the task afraid of of getting to it because maybe you know i was going to be judged for it maybe i was going to be judged for whatever i was putting out there and so um you know that experience you know it it's kind of like a shock shock that happened for me but after having it and coming back to it and understanding that that was the norm for the conference um it's helped me a lot in my personal life to be able to respect boundaries and be able to respect it in a way that allows me to focus on the task that needs to get done and not ignore it because that boundary is there and it's not there for a long time. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. 
two things that's making me think about Manny is one, like the boundary of the mind and like how much we have to also like bound ourselves mentally in order to focus on something or to achieve something. And I know for me as someone who has a very scattered brain often, like group relations is definitely a gift for me in that way that really helps me like to slow down the pause, to be present, to try and bound my thoughts in a way or to bound my mind in a way that allows me to focus on something or a task for an extended period of time. And I think another thing that it's bringing up for me too is that one of the critiques with group relations is, is potentially rooted in whiteness and patriarchy. And so like the way that we approach time boundaries and stuff isn't necessarily as um, generally accepted or easy to fit into for cultures where time is more aloof. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like, we have to be mindful of that too, that for some folks, like getting into, like, it was a shock for me as someone who I feel like my mom was always someone who was pretty punctual as a person, but like the strictness and sternness of the way that time is held or boundaries are held specifically in group relation spaces are a little bit different. So I feel like um, that was even just like a small adjustment for me, but I can imagine for people who come from cultures where, you know, we're not even talking, like we'll say we're meeting at three, but it's really going to be five or five thirty, or like we might not even give a time. It might just be around sundown, <laughs> like whenever. Um, and I think that that's something that um, as this work evolves, we might start to maybe see different things or different ways of approaching um, those types of boundaries or maybe different boundaries being created that maybe don't fall so much into um, the Western culture that we experience. But I think it's important just to name that because I do think that that, when we think about like access to this work or who this work um, is able to serve or um, most closely relate with, I feel like that's a struggle that um, I hear from some people as one example of maybe how, um, you know, we're continuing to look at what we do and how it impacts people that come from different walks of life. So, Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, what I hear you speaking to, Amber, is, is around the cultural aspects, you know, around what the primary task is. Um, and I think for, for me, kind of piggybacking off what you were sharing, Manny, is that it took me a minute to understand what in the world group relations was talking about when they asked the question or they stated the primary task of the whatever event we were in is to blah, 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 right? So it took me a minute to wrap my head around, you know, what exactly the primary task is. And then, you know, once um, I kind of wrapped my head around that, um, then I began to be able to see kind of where I was with respect to that primary task. So one of the things that's really important, I think, in this conversation around boundaries is uh, clarity around, you know, what the primary task is. And as I have grown in this work and have had other experiences, that's one of the first, you know, questions that will come up from those who have been in this work for a little bit is that they'll say, okay, so I understand the time. I get the time boundary, but what is the primary task that we are trying to accomplish, you know, within this time boundary? And so from a cultural perspective, where time might not be, you know, it may be valued less um, in in terms of like the Western culture of of, of things, I think that there is a primary task that it, you know, that does emerge, you know, that people are actually operating under. 
And so, you know, that, that I think what we're speaking to now is what's emerging for me at this point is some of the conflicts that can emerge when people are operating on different primary tasks or they value a different primary or a different task, if you will, within the primary task for a particular uh, time boundary. You know, it's like we see it all the time where people will say, well, I don't really care what the primary task is. I just want to get to know somebody. I just mm. want to know who you are, right? I just want to know your name. Mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, see what when we're going to get lunch. Um, but those kinds of conversations are speaking to a different primary task for that individual that may be separate from, you know, the primary task that, that you know, the organization or group relations is asking of them at that time. And would you, which, would you, which, which can create some anxiety, you know? Would, would you consider that work avoidance from that individual? I, I would consider that work avoidance. Uh, but then, you know, the next layer to that is, you know, well, where is that coming from? And this is getting back to Lauren's point earlier, um, I think, or our connection with what Lauren was sharing earlier was that, um, you know, it is coming from somewhere and to at least be curious about, well, why is that? And that I would offer, you know, is part of the learning and part of the work that individuals have to take on within uh, within a group relations conference or a, a class that's built around group relations work. You know, I work with people um, who who say, well, you know, I'm going to work on a task or, you know, I, I have to work with collectively. And in order for me to be effective, I got to build trust with the people I'm working with. So I got to get to know them. So it sounds like that individual might be saying something like that. Is that not just as important? In terms of, of you know, what the point that they're making? I would go ahead. Important for them as an individual, but is it actually important to the task at hand? Like, can you work with strangers? Yes, <laughs> um, and I think that that's something that group relations teaches us too. Like, um, a lot of times in the conference space, you'll be in a world type of shape where you can't even see the fronts of everyone's faces, and you don't maybe know where a comment in the group came from, but can you still connect with them across whatever it is that they're speaking about um, or in connection to what they're speaking about, even if you don't know who the person that it is that is coming from? And actually, I think one, one thing that with the virtual conference I learned is that it's a lot easier. I mean, maybe you have this similarly if you do like um, dreaming matrices and you do them with your eyes closed, but like Oftentimes, it's a little bit easier to connect with people on a different medium when you can't see each other because you're not blinded by all of those things that you're putting on the people by looking at them or by knowing their name or by knowing the city that they came from so that you can create this narrative in your head that prevents you from building bridges. Um, so like almost I feel like like you're doing like a creative project together, like um, on one of the conferences I did recently, like our more or our first opening event was a social sensing matrix and like one day we only drew together for 20 minutes and that was our um, attempt to join with each other in a way that wasn't verbal and no one knew who was drawing what 
And like afterwards, people felt like it was so connected and it felt good to be joined in a way that was different than the verbalness. But like once we got back to like our regular groups and it came back to like verbal conversation with each other, there was that same stagnancy, that same staleness, that same re- ability to fall into typical roles that you were already taking up because you're putting all this projections or you're knowing who's saying what. So like, even if Manny says something that I connect with, I'm not going to connect with him because I feel X and Y way about whatever Manny represents for me rather mm-hmm. than focusing on like what's the message that's being shared and how I can build the bridge. So I think it could be used as a crutch um, more than anything else or like a false sense of control, I think is what it really is, especially in a group relations space where the anxiety and the even though there's a lot of containment and boundary holding, it feels sometimes like the individual is out of control, um, which to some degree, I guess they are, because there's also a group collectiveness that's um, putting pressure on each individual as a part of that space, but also moving the group in a particular direction. Mm. I think one thing that's important to add to that is um, this idea that... um, when we are working within the boundaries of task, I mean, the question, as Rod stated, often comes up, well, what is the task? Like, what are we doing here? And although the stated task creates a boundary around what we are working on, um, the whole idea behind a group relations conference is you're supposed to get from it what you're supposed to get from it. Like, whatever you're meant to get, you will get. Um, and I think the counterpiece to the idea like a boundary creates limitations is it also creates the safety to expand past what we would maybe otherwise explore for instance this idea of building bridges that amber just spoke about for me that's one of my tasks that i assign for myself when i'm at a group relations conference even though it's not the formal task as it's stated um and i think that without those boundaries in place for the task um, it would feel a lot more scary to do that. And that's why we avoid like difficult conversations and the real world and why group relations can be so impactful because it makes it safe to explore things we wouldn't otherwise do. So I think maybe it's a good time to shift to the idea of territory boundaries. And I think, you know, that's an, another super important piece of group relations spaces and not also something that we can take out into our everyday life as well. Um, Does anyone maybe want to take a dive into um, how territory um, plays a role in the different boundaries that are contained at group relations conferences and spaces? Sure. I think that territory boundary is really like the physical holding space for you know, where a conference is held in your physical environment, as everyone knows, plays so heavily into what your lived experience is going to be. Um, and so it's really important. I think I've never built a conference out, but assuming when you build a conference out, it's really important to be really thoughtful about the size of the room that you're having people in. And are there windows? Are there not? How close are the seats together? Um, all of those things impact people's experiences. And, you know, I think at times the beginning of conferences, maybe the seats sometimes are put further apart, which also creates safety. There's those kind of natural, instinctual, uh, human, uh, personal space bubbles that are created. And then sometimes the longer the conference goes on, the chairs are brought closer and closer together to sort of create a holding space where people 
can feel more connected and be a little bit more vulnerable by being in closer proximity to one another. Um, so that's what mostly comes to mind when I think of the territory boundaries. Yeah, to, to build off what you're saying, Lauren, I think the other cool thing about it is, is how symbolic those territories can become. Because like you said in the beginning, it might be you know set, um, set up with more, more spatially, but then by the end of it, you're a little bit closer to each other. And, you know, symbolically, you know, when you go to these conferences, there's so much meaning, you know, and, and I think that's that speaks to your point earlier about the unconscious. Um, and so, you know, that's what I enjoy about the, the territories that are set up and the spaces that are set up because of the of the meaning you can make out of it. Um, and and, and the, the things that are intentional and in your questioning, like, why was the seat put this way? Why was the spiral put this way? Like, why are you sitting, you know, on this side versus that side? Um, you know, coming into the space, I felt compelled to sit next to you. What's that about? Like, like, what is it about the person that you're sitting next to? So all these things become data. And I think that's what's really, uh, that's what's really cool about the territory um, is that part. I know that um, doing it virtually changes that data a little bit um, in a way where it kind of, for me in the experience, I've seen where, you know, some people will feel more, you know, safer um, and so in feeling safer, you, you're more comfortable. So you say, you say things that are just, um, just safer. You, the way that you engage is just safer than you would when you're at the space physically and you don't have, um, a safe space, quote unquote, um, outside of that, of that space that's been created for you. So you kind of, you have to sit with the uncomfortability. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, with territory and boundary, I think it's a very important um, part of the experience. And um, I think the one thing that's very interesting is to always, when you get into that space, is to kind of be present in it, to make to 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 make to see what's what's really going on and how are you feeling in that space? What's the space doing for you? Um, and being able to explore that because I think that you know that data is what's going to help you with the task. And I think one thing too specific to um, territory is that in conference spaces, there's usually uh, designated locations um, for the work to be done. And then anything else is usually not an approved space. And that's done intentionally by the directorate, um, again, to see how the people will respond to the director taking up that authority and putting these spaces as designated spaces. and. How do you respond to that authority? Do you react by staying within the bounds of what is approved in the conference? Do people leave those and go to un, um, un, uh, approved spaces? And if so, like why and what are they representing for the conference system? So there's a lot of work to be done there too around like who gets pulled into falling outside of those boundaries versus who remains in the boundaries and what are they representing for the wider system? And I think another thing to connect with you, Manny, about the digital spaces, it is a lot di more different because you don't have that same affective experience because it is virtual. But I have noticed in times how technology picks up a lot of the unconscious uh, of the group as well. So like mm. I was at a conference relatively recently where um, three people were all speaking about how they wish they were connected to each other. They miss being 
um, having the ability to work together. Um, they were on staff and have their separate meetings, et cetera. But as they were speaking, they were all lined up on my screen in a collective. And so like, I was able to speak to that of like, you know, maybe you're not seeing it, but like, I still see it up on my screen. And so like, there is something unconscious that like, as you are speaking about wanting to be connected or like missing that physical closeness that like, at least from what I'm looking at, you are physically close to each other on my screen. So there is some type of connection there that you could be like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not only just missing it or longing for it, but there maybe are other ways that I have to now look at my connectedness and my relation to and among people that I'm working with in this new medium. And how does that, this new territory of holding environment um, shift the way that we think and look at our groups and like, what do we now need to pay a little bit more attention to and what do we have to pay a little less attention to depending on the medium um, and that boundary that's being held there. I think one of the things that I wrestle with, and I think we're all speaking to this, that, um, is that the territory, you know, happens in, in different spaces, right? Different physical spaces. And kind of going back to something that you mentioned earlier, Amber, about, you know, the, the group or the system we have in mind, like what is in my mind is another territory. What is in my heart, you know, and feelings, that is another territory. Mm -hmm. What is in my gut, my intuition, you know, that is another territory. Um, when the spirit of GRI, you know, what is in the spirit, you know, that is a territory. Um, how, where, where, what are we attracted to? Where do we reject? Mm -hmm. You know, that is a territory. Um, the subgroups that form. You know, whether it's around a social identity, around race, gender, sexual identity, or what have you, those are territories. Um, and all it's these different relationships too. What's that? External relationships that get brought into the conference system. Yep. Yep. External relationships, prior relationships, prior histories, you know, all of those are territories. We mentioned time earlier. And the history, you know, of a particular theme of a conference is a territory, as well as the histories of the different social identities, the histories of our personal, you know, uh, lives, uh, the histories of our communities. All of those are territories as well um, that, you know, become fields of, of exploration and that also will interact with each other depending on, you know, what's what the conversation is in the moment. So. There's a lot there around territories. And, and I think, you know, with the very few minutes that we have left, I guess, you know, one of the things I'm kind of thinking about is, you know, in order to make the boundaries around time, task, and territory work, that you do need some resources to, to, that will influence that. And, you know, just briefly, you know, in resources here, I'm just talking about uh, money. You need a, you know, you need a, what political support for it. Um, resources in terms of relationships that can bring, you know, group relations to a particular place, you know, to have a class or, or a conference, uh, skill sets, you know, the skills of the, of the staff members. Um, that is also a resource that may need to be cultivated or, or, or taught. Um, if we're talking about things in organizations, you're talking about the number of people that you have, um, or even within the conference, you know, the, the size of the conference, you know, could be you know, something to be thinking about. And then, you know, money is always the thing, even though it may not be the primary focus for this kind of work. 
Yeah, to the the territory resources. So a lot of times in conferences, you'll see partnerships with universities um, and for community user facilities, um, whether it's residential or whether it's just you know a regular weekend one where you have to get you know your own lodging, or whatever. But I feel like most of the conferences I've been a part of, there's been some sort of connection to some sort of university institution, and usually that's because someone on staff has works at the institution or has cultivated some type of relationship. But I feel like that's also important. And what that means as far as the underlying subtext too of, um, you know, what what kind of group or territory, um, you know, in the mind is also there, but the institution being a part, very much a part as well. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting is is the name of our podcast, right, is Beyond the Boundaries. I think that's something within itself that we could spend a whole session on unpacking a little bit in terms of the setup. And I mean, you know, we're doing this virtually from our own spaces. So, you know, I am curious if that would have looked different if we were able to be in the same room together doing this, you know, doing this work. So, um, so you know, I just wanted to, to, to highlight that because I think that is important. And I'm, I'm curious if some of our listeners may be wondering about that and like, curious about us talking about that. Um, but it does seem like we have reached our own time boundary here for today's session. Um, and so I just want to thank, first of all, um, all of my co-hosts here. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning into today. And um, we look forward to coming back and, and having our next session with you. This is Beyond the Boundaries, a group relations podcast sponsored by Group Relations International. And we are everyone. Peace.